scripture lesson for the third Sunday after Epiphany comes from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Folks, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I'm guessing you've heard the expression, never stop learning. It's important. It's good. It's good that we continue to be curious and we continue to learn things as we go about our day-to-day lives. And yesterday, I did just that. Yesterday, I learned something new. Now, what was going on, I was reading a commentary, basically a report written up by a scholar about this passage in preparation for this message, and I discovered something new that the season that we are in right now, the season that I call epiphany here in my tradition or in my denomination, is also known as ordinary time. Now, maybe that sounds familiar. I have talked about ordinary time before, but I never realized that this season that we are in right now is also considered ordinary time. Now, let me sidestep to ordinary time. This is a title given to certain portions of the church year that's assigned by certain denominational traditions. Specifically, the Catholic Church follows this, although there's others that do as well. Now, I knew that a large portion of the year that we call the season of Pentecost, which if you are a regular viewer, you may remember goes from all the way through summer and all the way through fall. It's a really long season. And we talked about ordinary time over and over and over with that. That part I knew, but I never knew that the season that we're in right now was as well. And so I had to go right to the source. As soon as I read this, my brain went, whoa, what? And so I picked up my phone and I sent a message off to my sister. Now, the reason for that, my sister, even though she was raised Lutheran, the same as me, she became Catholic before she got married and she's been Catholic now longer than she was Lutheran. So she's my resident expert. And I sent her a message. I said, sis, confirm this for me. Is this ordinary time? And she says, yes, it is. What is it for you? And I said, well, this is the season after Epiphany, or it's the season of Epiphany. And so we went back and forth, and my mind was blown. I had learned this new thing, and I thought it was amazing. But I wasn't done yet, and I needed to do a little bit more learning. So I went back to that original commentary, and I read some more about it and about where this idea of the ordinary really comes from. Now, 
Let's break that down. What does ordinary mean? Well, ordinary means the times in the church year, the times in the cycle of the year when we're not focused in on a specific focal point. Some of the different seasons that we go through over the course of the year have that specific thing. So let's break this down. The church year starts with Advent. Now in Advent, we're preparing ourselves for the birth of the Messiah. Then we reach Christmas. And for a short period of time, about two weeks, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. First, we were preparing for it. Then we're celebrating the birth. And then we reach the day of Epiphany which is always January 6th. And on that day, we celebrate the arrival of the Magi who have come to witness the birth of Jesus. From there, we move now into this ordinary time after it before we get to the next season, which is Lent. When we reach Lent, we are preparing for the death of the Messiah, which will happen during the events of Holy Week. Now, when we get to Holy Week, that's kind of its own little thing. And then we get to Easter, and for the period of the season of Easter, we are celebrating the resurrected Lord. We are celebrating his resurrection before reaching the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, we celebrate the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and the empowerment of them as the church. And then we go back into that long period that follows of ordinary time. And so as we go around this cycle, we see these different specific times when we are focusing in on something specific, but then we have these other portions where we don't have that specific time, this ordinary time. And what's amazing about it is if you look at a pie chart that had the liturgical colors of all the different ones, the vast majority, the largest portion is going to be green. You can see the green up here behind me. And it's that ordinary time, this section that we're in right now, and then the long one later on in the year. It makes up approximately 30 weeks out of the year, like 60% of the year is ordinary time. Now, folks, I was thinking about that. And the more I thought about that, the more I recognized that that distinction, that large-scale portion of the year being ordinary, is actually really fitting. Because how much of our lives is just ordinary. It's pretty regular, isn't it? It's pretty humdrum. I, when I talk with my kids, I always joke around about adulting. I said, adulting is a trap. Don't grow up, it's a trap. And I saw, I've seen a meme lately over the last couple of years that always sort of makes me chuckle. The truth of adulting is recognizing that you have to determine what you're going to have for dinner every single day for the rest of your life. It's ordinary, it's mundane, and it, takes up the vast majority of our lives in that setting, doesn't it? We get up, we go to work, we pay our bills, we have interactions with one another, we go about the regular old humdrum aspects of life, and sure, we have those mountaintop moments, which are spectacular, and we also have the really, really rough moments that happen in life, but most of life is pretty ordinary. And that is where we find our story for today. Because our story for today, the calling of the first disciples, happens in the midst of the ordinary. Now, this is an important story. And it's featured in one form or another in all four Gospels, three of which are really very, very similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all present this same story that I've just read in pretty similar format. John gives us something different. And actually, if you happen to catch last week's video, you heard that story from last week when Jesus encounters the first disciples in a much different setting. 
Now, because of the difference between what we had a week ago compared with what we just heard today, I had a conversation with somebody who asked the question, well, which one is right? And maybe they both are. Maybe it's not one or the other. Maybe both happen. Now, let's think back. It is certainly possible that it, during the ministry of the guy named John the Baptist, which happened before the ministry of Jesus, word got to Capernaum and reached the ears of two brothers named Andrew and Peter who heard about this random guy down along the Jordan River who was raising a big ruckus and baptizing all these people. And so they traveled from Capernaum in the north along the Sea of Galilee down along the Jordan to where John was active. And because of that, they were present two days after the baptism of Jesus for John the Baptist to point to Andrew and say, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And so Andrew follows along after Jesus, because that's who we're talking about. Jesus sees him, turns and looks, asks him what he's looking for, and then invites him, offers an invitation, come and see, come and hang out. And because of that encounter, then Andrew goes and grabs his brother Simon, a.k.a. Peter. They have this time together. Now, we also know from the Gospels that following the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness for a period of 40 days where he's tempted by Satan. And maybe during that 40 days, Andrew and Peter traveled back up to Capernaum and got back to regular life. They lived there and they were fishermen. They made their living as fishermen in the Sea of Galilee. After the 40 days is up, Jesus begins his public ministry. He's starting to get to work, and he makes his home in Capernaum. We hear that. And so it is possible that by the time he's walking along the seashore, which is the story that we hear today, maybe he already knew Andrew and Peter. And if he already knew Andrew and Peter, it's possible that he had also met these other two brothers, James and John, who we hear described in various parts of the Gospels, that were partners, the two sets of brothers, were partners as fishermen. So maybe these guys all knew each other already. Maybe they didn't. And maybe that doesn't matter. But what we do find today is that as Jesus' ministry is beginning, He's walking along the Sea of Galilee, walking along the shoreline, and in the midst of the normal day-to-day -day life for these fishermen, something amazing happens. He encounters first Peter and Andrew literally in the midst of their job. They're casting their nets into the sea. They are, they are actively fishing. And in doing that, or in this moment, Jesus says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I appreciate the way he words this invitation, this call into discipleship, because he recognizes their current vocation. He recognizes the full person of these two brothers, and he's not trying to change that. He's just inviting them into something new. Come follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Now, I don't know what it is in this encounter. I don't know why it is that it's so compelling, whether it's because there's an existing relationship already or there's just some power in his voice, but they drop their nets and they follow along. Now, we hear that they go a little ways down the beach and they find two more brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they also are in the midst of their regular day-to-day. -day. It seems that their fishing is done because they're mending their nets. They're preparing their equipment for the next batch of fishing. And he offers the same invitation as well. Come along after me. And we hear that they drop everything, including their dad, which I'm sure probably perturbed Zebedee just a little bit. And they also follow along after. Now, our narration starts talking about how Jesus goes about in the various uh, 
the various communities of Galilee, and he is beginning his ministry. And these four individuals, as well as the other disciples who would also be called, they get to bear witness to it. And they, have, uh, they witness some amazing stuff. I can only imagine the various things that they saw over the course of the next three years. They heard Jesus teaching both publicly and privately. They witnessed the miracles that he would do. Three of the four of these guys got to see some even more intense moments than the rest of them did. They were empowered to actually be a part of it at one point during the ministry. Jesus gives them power over unclean spirits and sends them out to proclaim. They get to be an uh, active part of it for that time. They're also with Jesus a few years down the road when he ends up in Jerusalem. They bear witness to the various events of Holy Week. They're present when he's arrested, even though they all run away. They're nearby during his torture. They're nearby during his crucifixion. And they're nearby during his resurrection. They bear witness to all of this. All of these amazing moments that they get to see, even though the invitation itself happened in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of their regular day-to-day. Now, what I think is important to also remember is that that ordinary day-to-day didn't seem to be over for them either, and the very least for Peter. And we hear this in John's Gospel. Post-resurrection, Peter decides, I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going back to fishing. And a few of the other disciples come along with them, and it's in this normal moment, in this ordinary aspect of Peter fishing again, that the resurrected Lord shows up, and once more, Peter receives an invitation into something new when Jesus tells him over and over again, feed my sheep, care for my flock, care for my lambs. I think this is an amazing thing for all of us to remember. Even though we have the mountaintop experiences as well as the deep, dark valleys of life that we go through, most of our lives is lived in the midst of the ordinary, and it's in the ordinary that the invitation into discipleship shows up. And Jesus recognizes who we are, empowers us, and invites the whole person of us, that ordinary person, into the extraordinary work of the kingdom of heaven. We also bear witness to some amazing things, and that's what the invitation of Jesus is, to come and see, to come after him, to follow him, to learn from his example, to learn from the scriptures, to read about his miracles and to be amazed by them, to to hear his teachings, to also encounter his death and his resurrection, and to stand in awe of whatever it is that God was accomplishing through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I oftentimes say, that whatever it was, God was somehow, somehow overcoming the powers of brokenness and sin and death that is a part of this whole world and is also a part of us. And we may not understand how that works, but we are recipients of God's amazing gift of grace through Jesus. But in the midst of our ordinary, in the midst of our regular day-to-day lives, the same invitation is offered by Jesus, come and see come along after me, and join together in the work of proclaiming the kingdom. It's ordinary time right now, and we're all living out our lives day to day in the midst of that ordinary. But thanks be to God that in the midst of that, we are invited into this amazing thing. Amen.